morning. I've been excited all week for this morning, and it hasn't disappointed. Um, it's such a privilege to come and share with you this morning. I'm just trying to organize this. Yeah, it's, it's been exciting. I'm always encouraged to hear what you're doing. My father-in-law is Andrew Boonstra, and we have family dinners and hear what you guys are doing through the Cavill Kitchen and to the community around here, but also globally, you guys are doing a lot of th- good things overseas, and the community here is always encouraging, and it's awesome to be part of. So thanks so much for having me. Um, that's really exciting. Some, some of you will have heard of me through Andrew and Sue. Others of you, my name's Tim Wood, and uh, I also operate under the alias T. Wood. Um, and I'm a proud husband of Kelsey. Oh. Yeah, here we go. She was unable to come with me this morning, but there's a little picture. Um, proud husband of Kelsey, and I'm a proud dad of Judah. He's four months old. A lot of you will have seen him. When I told Andrew that I was going to use this photo, he's like, he's not even looking at the camera. So I got another one close up so that you can see him and he's all in his new cap and he's pretty flash. Um, Andrew is the most obsessive granddad ever. He's, <laughs> he's just, he's incredible. It's really good. Um, but yeah, as you've heard, um, I also work as the youth worker at Mandeville Reform Church, and I don't know how I got there or what happened, but I haven't found a, a way to leave, so I'm still there, and it's really exciting. This year we've been going through the fruits of the Spirit, um, based from Galatians 5, and we've spent, yeah, the whole year, each one of our youth services tracking through one fruit of the Spirit. Joel came um, just the other month and shared on patience, I think. Yeah, it was good. Um, And the whole idea of the theme was to give people a picture of what does it look like to follow Jesus, or from a relationship with Jesus, what should be coming out of it? Like, what, what, what should it look like? And just to give young people a tangible something to go, okay, this is what my life should look like as a result of my worship of God. So, yeah, this morning, we're going to have a look at gentleness. So before I get started, why don't you turn to the person next to you and ask them, what is the first thing you think about when you think of gentleness? Just really quickly. All right, how'd you go? What was, what was one thing? Just throw them out. Pillow. Nice. Pillow fights. They're gentle. It's nice. Gentleman. Ah, nice. A baby. Anything else? Sorry? Hugs. Okay. Yeah. Unless they're from Johan and then they're not that gentle. <laughs> Yeah, obviously, um, when you think of gentleness, you think of like kittens and pandas and things like that. Um, and oftentimes, gentleness has its own sort of connotation that sometimes is unhelpful, sometimes is helpful 
with the understanding the fruit of the Spirit, which is gentleness. So when you go through the list of the fruit of the Spirit, gentleness is often used as, it's also called meekness or mildness or reserve. Um, the definition this morning that, that we're going to be working with is power under control. So basically, um, if you have a baby, you don't have to say be gentle because they don't have a whole heap of power that they're going to be exercising on you. Or an elderly person, you don't have to necessarily say be gentle because they're frail and we have to be gentle to them. So I have this picture. Oh, hold on. Yes. I, um, I did ask Andrew for permission to have him on screen, but I just thought his pecs were looking amazing. So, um, no. Anyways, I like this picture because um, gentleness is often thought of as weakness, um, but it's actually a strength and it's a power that we have, just like bodybuilding, Arnie's sort of lifting, I mean, Andrew's sort of lifting. Um, he's being gentle with those weights and not causing um, harm with them, but he's building his body up with it. So that's the picture when I think of gentleness. Actually, can we go back from that? That's not, that's not where we're going yet. <laughs> awesome. So a, a little story just to illustrate this is when I was younger, I spent time with um, my younger cousin, and he was, um, we'd come over to play, and we'd have heaps of um, fun. He would try and pin me down, and um, he could never do that. And I'd like to think it's because of my massive biceps and my 2% body fat. But... Um, the fact that he was seven and I was 14, and there was like seven years age difference, had everything to do with it. So just for fun, you know, you would wrestle, you'd pin him down, and you'd yell out, and um, you'd kind of get a kick out of it. Um, beating up on little kids is it's always fun. But, um, but no, that, that, in that instance, I had to exercise gentleness in order to not hurt him or to cause him pain, but to, um, I guess, have fun but show him that he's not the boss. So gentleness is power under control. It's using the most amount of, the least amount of force to achieve what God has called us to do. So before I studied gentleness, I thought gentleness was a range of things that it isn't. And um, I had this, I was doing things in the name of gentleness that wasn't actually gentleness. And what I mean is, I would cover up my fear in the name of gentleness. So, I would regularly avoid conflict with someone in the name of gentleness. Oh, you know, I don't want to, you know, upset them and that kind of thing. So, I'll just be gentle. So, I won't actually um, say the hard things that I needed to say. Or, I wouldn't share the truth of the gospel with my friends at high school because, you know, I want to be gentle. I'll just sort of live a life that kind of looks like Jesus and then hopefully they'll understand and be gentle and... Um, that kind of thing. Or I wouldn't stand up for someone in the name of gentleness because I was, you know, I didn't want to cause any conflict or create any waves. I was, you know, I was supposed to be a gentle person. But in fact, I wasn't trying to be gentle, but I was just being passive and complacent. And I was valuing my own comfort over obedience to what God has called me to. So being gentle does not mean to compromise, but to stand up 
in the workplace, in your school, in a controlled use of power, not reactionary or knee-jerk, but in a way that brings God's kingdom forward. The most regular command in the Bible is, do not fear. And the same spirit of gentleness is the spirit of power in Timothy. It talks about, um, I have not given you a spirit of fear or timidity, but of, of power, love, self-control. And so there's this real sense of gentleness is not weakness, but it is actually power. And the reality is that God has given each one of us incredible amounts of power to steward for His glory, to build His kingdom. And the power comes in the form of many things. Maybe it's mental power, maybe it's physical, maybe it's financial, spiritual, social, verbal. We are to use these things that God has given us in a gentle way to achieve His purposes. So Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Have you ever been in a situation where um, you said something and it just didn't go well for you? Um, this, um, uh, this proverb is written by King Solomon. He had 700 wives, and I think he had a bit of practice um, when it comes to the use of his words. I've got one, and I still... And struggling with that. So this morning we're going to have a look at a passage from 1 Kings 12. So if you have your Bibles, it comes just after King Solomon. He's just passed away and we're going to talk a bit about his son for a minute. So yeah, if you have your Bibles, flip to them. 1 Kings 12. And before we read the passage for this morning, I'll just set a bit of context. So Solomon was a hard taskmaster. In, the, in Bible terms, he, he put what they call a yoke on the people, a heavy yoke on the people. So what that is, is like it's a slavery term. Um, you put the yoke on the neck of an ox and it drags a plow through the ground and it's grueling and tiresome and heavy. And so why he put this heavy yoke on Israel is because he had the task of building the temple of God. That took seven years. And then he's got like, you know, 700 wives and 300 concubines, so he had to build a temple. That's a massive operation, and it took 14 years. So all up around 21 years, he spends working the people to accomplish, um, you know, the purposes that he had in his time in his kingship. So in 1 Kings 12, he's just passed away, and his son Rehoboam takes leadership. And that's where we find ourselves this morning. So we'll read from verse 6 of 1 Kings 12, which says, Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who had served his father Solomon during his time, his lifetime. How would you advise me to answer these people? He asked. They replied, if today you would be a servant to these people and serve them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. But Rehoboam rejected the advice the elders gave him and consulted the young men who had grown up with him and were serving him. He asked them, what's your advice? How should we answer these people who say to me, lighten the yoke your father put on us? 
the young men who had grown up with him replied, Tell these people who have said to you, Your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. Tell them, My father's little finger is thicker than my my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. My father laid a yoke, a heavy yoke on you. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. Three days later, Jeroboam and all the people returned to Rehoboam. As the king had said, come back to me in three days. And the king answered the people harshly, rejecting the advice given him by the elders. He followed the advice of the young men and said, my father made your yoke heavy. I will take it, make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. So quick summary, what is going on there? You've got two groups of people. Um, Rehoboam's like, I don't know what to do with my leadership. I've got two ways that I can go, two angles that I can face. Um, he's got his father's wise counsel, and then he's got his mates from high school, right? He's got these two options. What's he going to go with? Um, you can already see it's sort of going bad when you start comparing, like, the wise man, the wise kind of bit indicates, you know, good counsel, good advice. <laughs> yeah, and his friends that he's grown up with, same age, immature, and they're serving him. So they're obviously suck-ups. So goes bad. He takes his mate's advice and he goes with the harsh um, approach. And instead of, hold on, let's just find it in the notes. Instead of treating them gently and serving them, he responds in a harsh way and oppresses the people with an uncontrolled use of power. So from this passage, we'll have a look at two things really quickly. I think this is... Oh, yeah. Awesome. So harshness is pride's brother, and the opposite is true. Gentleness is... Um, gentleness is humility's brother. So pride and harshness, they hang out together. They're friends, they're mates, they do everything together. So if you have one, you get the other. Rehoboam is both proud and harsh. And we find that in that when he's having his chat with his, with his mates, he's talking about how he's just so much bigger than his dad. You know, I'm the man. Uh, he's self-centered and he says, my little finger is bigger than my father's waist. He's just consumed with himself. I found C.S. Lewis's famous quote on humility really helpful in this, at this point. It says, true humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Here we find Rehoboam thinking of himself and what he can achieve. And instead of serving the people and thinking of what's best for the nation... He thinks about what's best for him. And the alternate is true, that if um, you use power from a place of humility, then gentleness will flow from you. So the big question is, are you proud or are you humble? Being gentle is wrapped up with becoming more humble. So where are we at? with the, the use of our power? Like, what do you do with the resources, the gifts, the things that God has given you, entrusted to you, entrusted to us? 
Do you need to win arguments just for the sake of winning them? Do you need to be the best at everything for the sake of being the best? Maintaining appearance or perfection so that, you know, you'll be the, you know, the most important or the most valued person around. Um, I admit that I have used or I do use my power and influence to push people down in order to push myself up. Like that's my natural bent. That's normally how I go about using power. And it's really the work of God that has to change um, us in order to use power in the right way, in a gentle way. When I was thinking about this, I thought trying to be gentle without dealing with your pride is like trying to wash your face after eating KFC. You know, you're eating KFC and your hands are all greasy and you wash your face and you're just going to make more of a mess. That is the picture of gentleness that I got. The second thing is that power out of control causes harm. And I told Andrew that I wouldn't say that that was him because he was embarrassed about that. But um, point two, power out of control causes harm. Gentleness builds others up where pride tears others down. So instead of serving Israel as king, displaying godly leadership, for the building and the growth of the nation, Rehoboam pushes them down and drives them. He's got projects, he's got things that he wants to accomplish, he wants them to serve him. And instead of saying, hey, look, you know, these people have just served Solomon faithfully for 21 years, they're exhausted, they need a bit of encouragement, a bit of a pickup. Uh, he's like, no, we're going to drive you harder and push you further. And so what happens in this situation is that Rehoboam... At this point in Israel's history, Rehoboam, his Nazi regime, splits the nation in half. And it's such a shattering picture. It's a picture of, it's really a grievous time for, for God. I mean, his nation, this, this beautiful people that are his, have just split in half. And so this is a real picture of what hardness or harshness does in a community or for a person. And we could say, you know, that's all, you know, that's Israel, that's the past. But the reality is that today, harshness and being hard with people causes the same thing. It's an issue that we face all the time. Churches split over harsh leadership. Families split over deeply offensive words spoken without any tact. Marriages often lack intimacy because of the hardness and the and the distance between each other. And friendships end because of a dispute that lacked care and gentleness. So from here, what is the solution? Where do we go? What is where do we find our hope? Where do we look who do we look to? And so this morning I'm going to share something very cliche, but it is 100% true. Jesus Christ is the answer to our gentleness problem, to the situation in our society where there's harsh leadership, where in ourselves we have a problem in relating with people in a harsh manner. The world has a problem relating with each other, and there's divisions all over the place. 
So how does Jesus solve this problem? Jesus is gentle, A. Jesus gives us His Spirit inside of us to follow His model of gentleness. And if we are to become more gentle by His grace, we are to become more like Jesus. So how does it work? This is the picture. Bang. God displays His gentleness in the person and work of Jesus Christ. What happens? Jesus comes to the earth. Why does He come to the earth? Because we find ourselves in a dark and in a situation where there's sin, we've rebelled, we have walked away from God, we have been hostile towards God, and all of mankind are fallen. We find ourselves not doing what we want to do, and we find ourselves doing what we shouldn't do and that we don't want to do. And so God was angry, He was frustrated, He was sad, just like we would be with someone who's committed sin or has committed something wrong against us. And He has to come up with a plan. We find ourselves, we, our sin put Jesus on the cross and He had every right to condemn us to hell for eternity. But instead, He shows us His gentleness and focuses His power and controls His power on one person, on Jesus Christ, for the sake of us. And that is just an incredible picture that God displays His control of power. Instead of destroying everything, He takes out His, um, his anger and frustration with His Son, on His Son. And this is why Jesus can say in Matthew 28, 29, He says, Come to Me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you. The same yoke, that same concept, but it's a different kind of slavery, a good slavery. Learn from Me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. There's the brothers, you know, gentleness and humility. And you will find rest for your souls. So it's from God's grace, His unmerited favor, that we find ourselves in a place where we can be people of gentleness. So when you say the thing you shouldn't, when you do the deed you shouldn't, when you fail to live up to what God has called for you, or the calling that God has on your life, God doesn't condemn you. He doesn't, um, he's not frustrated and angry with you. He took that out on Christ so that we can receive God's gentleness and love and affection. So when you find yourself in the midst of a situation where you've got a difficult person, where you're, you know, with your self, is probably the most difficult person that you have to deal with, but then your close second person, for me it's Kels, or someone else in youth ministry, that's normally frustrating. What do I do in that situation? And I found the, help, the most helpful thing that we can do in this situation is to look at yourself in that person, to look at what God has done for you, and return, in return, God might, He just might use you to show that person who He is like. He might show you he might use you to show this person 
a picture of his gentleness towards you and his gentleness towards them. Because the reality is we've got this sin, we've got these problems and we, we face them all the time. How are we going to show God to the, those people around us? And the answer is being gentle. So finally, um, we've talked about the theory, we've talked a bit of theology. Let's just put some of this stuff into a context, into situation. So there's three, just three brief points. Um, it's hard to be gentle when you're in a rush. Have you ever had that important conversation that you've had uh, and you're racing in between one thing or another thing, your mind is not in that space and you're, you're completely um, focused on the next thing and this person comes, for whatever reason, into your path and they start unloading some of their hardships, some of their burdens. This happened to me the, the other week. Um, he was laying down some pretty serious stuff about decisions he had to make and um, some of the hurt that he was dealing with. And I was smiling and nodding whilst not thinking about what he was saying. And then all of a sudden, um, he pauses and I'm stuck there with, uh, I've got to backtrack and try and figure out what he was saying. And I responded with, cool, dude, that sounds awesome. Um, not a gentle way to approach someone's grief and someone's loss. And that caused quite a lot of pain. So what I learned from that conversation is learning to organize your schedule and the way you run your life and busyness is half the battle of gentleness. So don't cram your schedule full of stuff that you haven't got thinking space to approach the situations that do really involve a lot of thought, care, and right tone tact. The second thing is that it's hard to be gentle with those closest to you. Are you like that? Um, like I mentioned before, Kelsey is a phenomenal lady in all respects of the word. Um, and what makes her truly great is that she has to deal with me. I mean, she cops my harshness more than anyone. She knows me the most and for some reason, I think it's all right because, you know, we're in a committed relationship. I don't have to hold myself back. I don't have to be gentle. And I know how to get under her skin. I know what frustrates her. I know how to leverage her emotions to get what I want. Um, don't, don't just look at me and just say, that's just me. I'm sure there's many of us out there. Um, and <laughs> you find yourself in this situation where, you can be really harsh to the people closest to you, the people that matter the most. And, you know, you, you rock up to a cafe and it's like, hi, how's it going? And you're talking to the barista and it's like, nice shirt and things are going great. And, you know, you're super gentle and lovely with them. And then you come home and you're like, why isn't the dinner on the table? Um, so from that, from that picture that we've got of, of Tim's family home, it obviously displays a really bad picture to the world and to those around me who don't believe um, of who God is. And that's really, really um, crippling for the mission of God to be, to, to be displayed in and through uh, our little family community and unit. Why would someone go, oh, I want to be a part of that community if they see that God really hasn't, isn't powerful enough to 
transform and change relationships. So how you treat the closest relationships to you often reflects your relationship with God. So the take-home is treat the relationships closest to you with the highest respect. And then finally, the last thing is, it's hard to be gentle when you're thinking of yourself. When I was 14, got my first job, I did window cleaning, or it wasn't actually window cleaning, it was also toilets and mopping and stuff. Um, it was an after-school job, so I'd stay at school, then clean the school after, after work, and then my stepdad would pick me up. And this one day, um, he rocked up 15 minutes late, right? I'm, I'm sitting there in the cold, it was winter. Um, he, he, he rocks up 15 minutes late, and, and so I was young, frustrated, and I spent 15 minutes, that's a long time for a young person to think up a bit of a speech um, for, um, for their parent. And I was like, I, I, st- I still remember the first like, intro, I can't remember much else, but I remember the first intro, and it was, time is the most precious commodity, all right? Once you use it up, you can't get it back, like fossil fuel. And, and so what you've done to me, Steve, is you've taken away uh, my time, right? And I can't get it back. And basically, um, you're indebted to me kind of thing. I'm cold, I'm wet, I'm hungry, I'm bored, I've got so much to do in my busy 14-year-old schedule. Um, and I completely upset Steve, and, and he was, um, you know, that was, that was really hard, and I had a talking to from mum, and, you know, that was not good. But the point is, I had no idea what he, why he was late. I don't know what his day was like, I didn't ask. I was thinking about myself, I was thinking about, you know, I was frustrated. I mean, he didn't have to clean the toilets from the school. My high school mates causing all kinds of mischief in there. And I still to this day don't know why he rocked up 15 minutes late. It's not a big deal. But that's the point. I didn't stop and think about this person's situation and, and think about the other big part of the picture is that he's doing me a favor <laughs> by picking me up. And so... From what I learned from there is every situation has a bigger story connected to it. You don't often know the reason why people do things, but there is a reason. So taking a minute to think about the big picture and talking to other people about their situations will often soften the approach in which you will go about having the hard conversations. So in conclusion, the way we organize our time has everything to do with gentleness The people closest to you need your grace the most. And thinking about other situations have everything to do with being gentle. So let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you and praise you and worship you because of your gentleness towards us. In fact, it's your gentleness that leads us into a life of gentleness and it's your power in us that leads us to be gentle towards one another. And Father, we cannot do this without you, and this is a tough journey because it's a battle within ourselves more than anything. And so through your Spirit, by your power, we pray and I pray for each one of us that you would mold in us, that you would produce in us this fruit of gentleness that would build others up, that would not seek to tear them down, that would 
come from a place of humility and service and love and not from a place of being burden, uh, putting on burden on others and trampling them down and oppressing their spirits. So we thank you for what you've done and help us to live a life that would reflect who you are. In your name, amen.